Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Bruce Walters, a professor of art at Western Illinois University who painted the large mural of the gymnast, which is currently hanging outside of the German-American Heritage Center in Davenport. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming today. And and you were commissioned by the German-American Heritage Center to complete this mural as part of their Sound Mind, Sound Body, Turnverian Traditions exhibit. And the Turnverian organization was nicknamed the Turners in the U.S., which is how I think most of us recognize it. Uh, what, what can you tell us about this rather interesting German group and the idea behind this exhibit and your mural? Wow, that that'll take twenty minutes. <laughs> the um, I guess let me speak more broadly. Basically, in the mid nineteenth century, intellectual, intelligent, educated Germans came to the Quad Cities, and they brought not only uh, Turners that tradition, and it's it was more than uh, you know being gymnasts, but they also brought the arts to the Quad Cities. The symphony we can tr- uh, trace it back to them. The call ballroom was originally, uh, uh, had a German name, and they brought cultural events uh, to the Quad Cities. I, I think they brought people sort of affiliated with some of the great German composers. Hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong name, but it was uh, a person sort of affiliated with, you know, uh, operatic singers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's interesting. I didn't know about that. I did. I did know the Turners was a, a basically a fraternal organization that that combined um, physical education. They did a lot of gymnastics with, um, you know, and acrobatics with uh, with exercising the mind too in terms of civic events and and politics. So this exhibit that's on at the that's currently on at the German American Heritage Center, you painted this mural. Uh, of a large gymnast, and it's that link with, with the Turners, with their um, championing uh, physical education that, that that prompted you to do this. It's a it's a it's a very large mural, and it's hanging on the north side of the building. How large is it, approximately? Uh, Thirty feet in length. And Thirty. The, feet. And the figure is a bit more than twenty. Mm-hmm. And when I first chose that figure and sort of measured it out, I was thinking. Oh, that's about the size of the figures on the Sistine ceiling. Uh-huh. So I mean, I'm not talking about them other than just sort of their size, just for context. Mm-hmm. How did you take a small drawing and how do you expand it on such a massive scale without losing the correct proportions? How, how does that work? I started painting on a larger scale when I was a graduate student. I went to the University of Wisconsin and, and I was fortunate to get a very big studio. And, and You'd I have th- to have one. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the bigger school sort of, uh, room just sort of gave me the opportunity to paint on a bigger scale. And when I taught at Marycrest, and I worked with the theater department, and, and I began to help with some of the backdrops. And these were sometimes uh, uh, productions at the Adler. And that's a really large space. And uh, so I would work with uh, sometimes planning, but more just physically painting, because I really enjoyed it at that scale. And it came natural to me. For some reason, I can scale things up. And and proportion is something I'm very conscious of. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I painted the mural, it was painted on my 
my dad's garage. And uh, the garage, um, I was never able to really roll the whole picture out. And so I painted sort of in sections, roll it forward a little bit, paint it in sections. And the first time I was able to really see it was when I took it down to the center. And uh, we went up to the fourth floor and looked out a window, and I thought, oh, good. (laughs) 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 There's nothing, uh, you know, egregiously wrong with it. What what type of paint do you use on this? Because it's on a canvas. It's it's real. Yeah, it's canvas. Mm -hmm. uh, But uh, primarily, I painted with house paints. You know, when you're um, the green, for example, that was two gallons of uh, green paint, and I went out to one of the hardware stores and uh, I tried to match. I didn't quite get it. I did it through a photograph. Tried to match the color of the the green on the Heritage Center, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the color of the figure is sort of brick colored. And, and rather than introducing new colors, I tried to stay with what was already present on the building. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, well, I didn't realize that you intentionally did that, and it, it blends in very well. And, and you are uh, somewhat experienced at this because this was painted on the back of a previous mural. You yeah, did, that's right. Of Big Spiderbeck. <laughs> why waste? <laughs> of course, of course, why waste? Especially something so large. I don't even know where you'd obtain a canvas that large. Yeah, um, I, I think I got it at Sears Tent Nonning, and uh, <laughs> they had... A ten foot width, and then I could get, I guess, whatever length I needed. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, in fact, uh, we spoke of Kelly just a minute ago. Kelly and that's Lau. Kelly Lau. Yeah, and she's the executive director of the and German American wonderful. Heritage Center. She's yes, awesome. Yeah, we need to always say good things about Kelly um, and mean them. Um, we had talked about um, the mirror, and we stepped outside and realized this. This is a space that would work, and so. Um, that 10 by 30 foot seemed about right. And that, of course, limits the subject. Uh, when I th- first thought of gymnasts, I thought of, and I'm not going to have the correct terms, but in watching the Olympics, uh, they have like a horse mm-hmm. and they move sideways. Yep. I thought that would be the strongest image. And I needed some gymnast sort of in action. Uh, they couldn't be, it couldn't be a dismount because it looked like a person just bowing. So there had to be some activity, and it needed to have a certain staticness to it. So when I thought of the rings, uh, you know, the, the person's holding that. It's like a natural pause. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I began to look for images related to that. Yeah. No, it's it's really beautiful. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. And in uh, such a in such a interesting part of history, because the Turners came over, I think, in the late 1800s, and... Um, and uh, that German concept of sound mind, sound body, which again is the title of the exhibit, must have really resonated with an American culture. And, and many of the teachings were swept into into our school systems, into politics, and in various business organizations. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 interesting how that weaves in to so many cultural things, educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the Germans who came to the Quad Cities uh, were highly educated. And they brought those values with them. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, the Irish came early. There were other groups, and they contributed, you know. And, and so it's, I don't want to overemphasize the Germans, but uh, when I, uh, I, I was on uh, the board for the, uh, I guess, the Center and Museum now, and uh, I got to meet many of the uh, other participants and uh, what, what fine people. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned the history through my participation. And when you spoke, you know, I mentioned like the call building. 
that's, you know, that was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, of course, this century, um, the German problem <laughs> uh, has uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, really worked against, you know, uh, the Germans in America. Uh, World War One, World War Two, right, and it was after World War Two. I think that the Turners became obviously less popular and somewhat disbanded. Though, yeah. though it's interesting to find there, there's still for those people who are interested in our architectural um, heritage. Yeah. there's still some of the original Turners buildings that exist. That exist. The East Turner Hall um, in the village of East yeah. Davenport is now the village theater, and there were Turner Halls um, also in, in Buffalo, and that one uh, burned down, I believe. And, but also Eldridge and, and then Moline and Rock Island had yeah. Turner's Halls, so they were scattered throughout. Um, there was one uh, downtown, Davenport, that was the largest, the second largest in the U.S., and that uh, was demolished, too, at yeah. some point. But but um, it was really, um, uh, it was an active group of uh, people and and uh, very active organizations here in our in our community. Yeah. How did how did your relationship begin with the German American Heritage Center? Um, I, I had um, friends, uh, people I taught with the Hustadies, and uh, I was invited uh, to participate. And uh, this is when the building was first sort of being reclaimed. <laughs> it was the Standard Hotel, and I went to it. And I walked around it, and I thought, "Oh, this is this is a lost cause." And uh, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important I've to been recognize wrong that many we can times. all be wrong. <laughs> yeah, because it it is a beautiful renovation. It is, and and it, that is part of uh, the history of the community. When so many of the Germans who arrived here, they stayed there, and so I I, I think it's um, I think almost essential that it's housed in. You know, something that really, and, and that whole area, the Washington Square area, was was very Germanic, um, and and uh, there's a statue right next to it, a statue of Germania, that was a um, uh, basically originally on a fountain. That's now where the YMCA was. Oh, I haven't seen that statue. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of at street level, even though it's very large, and it's uh, and it was. They presented as 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 greeting all immigrants to this area, mm-hmm. and and uh, I like that sort of positive tone. Of Absolutely, it. I mean it resonates now with the current yeah. political climate. It's nice to yeah. have something so so positive. Yeah, but but um, one of the things I think is wonderful right now is we have such good relationships with Germany, mm-hmm. and and it is a you know such a constructive relationship that um, I. I I, I think that's uh, that's the, the moment we need to f- focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about you a little bit more in your art. You mentioned earlier that you obtained your master's degree from the University of Wisconsin in uh, Madison. And you've been teaching at Western Illinois for quite some time now, I think since 1997, it said on your website. Yeah, that's true. That's a it, long it, time. What classes do you teach there? And, and what would you say is the most enjoyable aspect of oh, teaching? Oh, okay. I teach primarily graphic design. On occasion, I'll teach like an art appreciation type course, or I've taught drawing classes and, and other things. Graphic design, uh, for me, spins out of uh, uh, just, I guess, my personality. When I was an undergraduate, I was tempted to become a, a physics major. And, and I took uh, uh, mathematics, and not so much algebra, but the like spatial relationships, mm-hmm. uh, that comes. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, we talked. I talked earlier with another guest on this show about the about the correlation between 
artists, people who are creative artistically, and people who excel at math and in the sciences. Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it can go many different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in many ways I liked applied physics, and so astronomy, I was drawn to that. Um, uh, I, in fact, I was hesitating because when I was at Iowa, I did have Dr. James Van Allen as a teacher. Oh, you did? Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So he was the famous physics uh, professor who, who uh, I think, discovered the Van Allen belt, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he, he, the first experiment sent into space, he controlled. He was the uh, man of the year for Time magazine and a very, very friendly, you know, unpompous person. And it was, um, in fact, one of the things I recall is um, at, at the end of one class, I went up to him and I said, um, here, here's my profound question. Uh, why, why can't balloons just keep going up? And he answered me at length. And later I thought, that was the stupidest question ever. But years later, I was going through his papers. I, I, I needed to research what he had done. It's so strange, knowing the person I had to put on white gloves. <laughs> and uh, I learned that before he was with NASA, he worked on balloons huh. uh, with the U.S. Navy for about a decade. So he was very well qualified to answer that question. Yeah, I, I think he probably thought, went home that night and go, my God, someone's interested in balloons. So well, was... that explains why you did, because you did a, an exhibit, uh, was it at the Figgy on NASA? Yes, I did. So and, that kind of ties in, and it, yeah. I, now I'm understanding why you did that. Oh, I, I have a, 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 a real funny, that, you know, from uh, uh, much of my life I've been fascinated with not just astronomy, but any really push of science into mystery. And, and I would say if I want to characterize the subject of my work or sort of the direction, uh, I'm fascinated by mystery, yeah. things that are maybe knowable but certainly not known now. And I, I guess I tie together things that are sort of unexpected, not only like NASA, but I find Halloween and much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, if you look back, uh, if you you're before electricity, can you imagine how, how frightening the night would be. And here's this one night when it's you know, thought that the veil between the living and the dead is thin, and how um, uh, that would be such a. Um, uh, fascinating, uh, thrilling, frightening, you know, sort of experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I learned about, again, with Halloween is uh, in the Celtic sort of traditions, at, on that night, they would take all fires and bring them together and then all but extinguish them and then bring them back as sort of a symbol of rebirth. And it, it again, it must have been sort of a thrilling holiday in a, in a world that would seem far more mysterious than ours. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you I mean, you you clearly are fascinated with Halloween because you've done these really amazing. I, I just saw them on video. I didn't see them in person, but you did these great exterior um, projection animations for the um, Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead celebration at the Figgy. And talk about that. How, how what 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 did those look like, and how did you create that? Well, those are um, these large paper mache figures that the Figgy, I assume, owns, but they were on exhibit through the building. And uh, the connection between the two holidays is not as close as it appears, because when we think of holiday, we think of pranks or trick-or-treating, and the the, the Mexican-centered one is, uh, I guess, religious. 
Yeah, a reverential towards your ancestors. Yeah, and, and a part of Halloween is that remembrance of the dead. Remember the word is basically the eve before hallowed, uh, the hallow holidays. Mm-hmm. So I find uh, that's, uh, uh, I guess, just one of the directions I've explored. And I don't think I've come close to touching it. One thing is when I... But, s- but tell us about the exterior projections. Like, what? how did you make these? And what did people see? Where were they projected? And and I saw moving images yeah, that you yeah. had doing um, like these funny funny walks, and they would kind of flash in and out on the outside of the of several buildings in the area. Yeah, well, the, the fun part of that last one, it was on three buildings. Uh, so it, it All in downtown Davenport. Yeah, so it was, if you stood in the middle, it felt a little more, uh, uh, you know, than just a single projection. But, but I guess what I really enjoyed um, is uh, somewhere along the line, <laughs> working with the computer, I realized I hadn't worked with animation much. And animation is uh, so intriguing, but it seems so overwhelming. How do you ever, how do you ever begin that process? As, as time has gone forward, it becomes the cost becomes less and less a barrier. The software becomes more easily accessible. And uh, I, I applied for a grant. I got about twenty thousand hmm. dollars. Basically, I spent it on these projections, uh, projectors. And the first one uh, at the Figgy was across the whole width of the building on the west side. And you you could see it from the uh, uh, Centennial Bridge. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. And and what, Are you going to do it again this year? Uh, I've, I've done quite a few, uh, but I have different parts of the building. And so there's a part of me wants to uh, try something new each time mm-hmm. I sort of go forward with it. And with these images that you drew... Um, and then, or or that you that you designed on the computer. Well, one of the reasons that I started with NASA was, of course, an interest. But also, I went out and went to Washington D.C. and spoke to these, you know, the people at um, one of the NASA centers, and they said, "Yes, you can use those images. Those are taxpayer. Uh, I guess you." You've paid for them, <laughs> and so uh, I could use them, uh, you know, sort of at will. There was not a problem with permission. And as I've worked with videos, I've worked now with some uh, uh, short films. Um, permissions are so important, and I've learned you have to either have original material, or you can really sort of work hand in hand with someone who will say, "Sure, you can use that." Mm-hmm. But it is. Uh, uh, I did one video, uh, and it was tied with Big Spiderbeck, and I used songs from the 19-teens, and uh, I was stopped by Sony from putting them on YouTube <laughs> from the teens. Yeah, that, that's too bad, because that's, of course, Bix's era, and yeah. you would need that that music. But um, Well, so. I ended up getting original recordings by uh, Josh Duffy, and what an extraordinary... Uh, uh, by the way, Josh is one of the treasures of this area. Mm-hmm. I hope people uh, appreciate what what he has brought, not just the Bix Fest, but just this interest in uh, music from the 20s, the 30s, and 40s. Yeah. Well, besides painting and these exterior projections that um, that I know you uh, through, you also um, really perform a wide variety of, of artwork, and, and including other things as diverse as um, you know photography and film. You also write for the River Cities Reader, so you are so busy, uh, involved in just a myriad of artistic projects. What I've I I feel that 
not that I have an important place in the society, but but there's not many art professors in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. And I feel I owe to the community uh, effort. So I've tried to do things that are very public. Uh, when I started writing the uh, Art in Plain Sight column, I guess i And I'll that was it. for the River Cities Reader. Yeah, I've written more than 50. I thought I'd write far less than that. But I kept finding these sculptures, and some of them have such extraordinary histories. And as I took the time, sometimes to read books even before I would uh, write them, because uh, I wanted to learn myself. And I be- discovered that often I was the first person to write about them. Mm-hmm. So I had to track down artists and communicate to people. And it was a joy. Yeah, It was time-consuming, but it was pleasure. I could tell you about one sculpture that's on your campus. Okay, and on our campus, yes, Augustana College. Augustana campus, uh-huh. and it's extraordinary. It's next to the Wallenberg Center, mm-hmm. and the name of the sculpture is Freedom. And I walked past it, and I thought, it's it's not a friendly sculpture. It has like two blades on the top. And I thought, what an unexpected title for this work. And as I began to look into Wallenberg's and look into the artist, I found, and I found his statements when it was installed, that... Raoul Wallenberg uh, lived in the same city that the artist uh, uh, lived in. It was in Budapest. And he saved thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of Jews during the Holocaust. He literally would climb up on top of trains heading off to Auschwitz and pass these papers through the people and order them off the train because they were uh, now protected by Sweden. He had no official standing. This is a young man, too. And the war ended, uh, he was uh, captured by the Russians and certainly died in a gulag. And that's even with the Pope, uh, U.S. presidents trying to intervene. So when, uh, and I'm, I can't recall the art's name, I'm so sorry. It starts with a K. <laughs> and uh, when I wrote the article, and I took sort of a risk, uh, he wrote back to me and congratulated me for sort of understanding Yeah, it. the sculptor did. Yeah, and, yeah, and he, I think he was living in, like, Transylvania at the time. So, oh, Well, that's fantastic. And that, that's what I think is so beautiful about people like yourself who who do that for us, who who tell our local stories because oh, – which and, – and, and, and connect us to the larger world we, in, in we, this case. We so overlook the history of this area. Yeah. We, we have an extraordinary history, and sometimes it's – maybe that's always true of any community, but – from the inception of the computer, which occurred in the Quad Cities, to uh, Blackhawk, which I, I've I'll talk about Blackhawk to people, and they know the name, but they really don't know the story. Mm-hmm. So this is something I think that needs to be told again, again, and again. And then those people who hear it need to sort of pass it on as well. Mm-hmm. Well, your students at Western Illinois are certainly lucky to to have you. Oh, I appreciate it, and the rest of us are too. So, Bruce Walters, thank you so much for talking today, and best of luck with all of your upcoming artistic endeavors, oh, whatever I got, they may I be. Oh, I got big ones coming. <laughs> Good. Well, we can't <laughs> wait to see them. The German American Heritage Center in Davenport is hosting an exhibit entitled Sound Mind, Sound Body, Turn Varen Traditions through September 15th. The exhibit is on the third floor of the center and is included with the regular admission fee, which is only $5 for adults and $3 for children. They are open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 4, and on Sunday from noon until 4. But you can always drive by any time to view the large gymnast mural painted by Bruce Walters, which is hanging on the north wall of the building. 
This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.